welcome to podcast number 58 for Thanks for Your Service and our first podcast for 2023. Our focus is on historical topics relating to the Australian military. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. Just search for Thanks for Your Service. Our website is www.thanksforyourservice.net and you can also email us at info at thanksforyourservice.net. During the January school holidays, I took the family down to Williamstown in Melbourne to visit a unique historical floating museum. This is part one of a two-part podcast. We're down at Gem Pier in Williamstown in Melbourne and we have come aboard the HMAS Castlemaine, a floating museum, and joining us to take us through the ship is Dick Budzini. Dick, many thanks for joining us. Castlemaine or Castlemaine? What's the correct pronunciation? I've always said Castlemaine. I've been to the theatre Castlemaine and they insist it's Castlemaine. It is Castlemaine, okay. <laughs> now, what sort of ship is the Castlemaine? Look, it's uh, they call it the uh, Minesweeper, but um, in, in, in actual fact, they were, they, were, they were a corvette, and a corvette is just a small escort vessel, never designed to uh, fight big battles or anything like that. It was to design to escort convoys around. Uh, it moved troops around the Pacific Ocean. Uh, it did that long, hard, sort of unglamorous bit of the war that didn't get much into the newspapers, but uh, they, they did an incredibly important job. Can you give us an overview of, of her history? Well, she was uh, built here in Williamstown in 1941-42 uh, uh, and was commissioned in about August um, August the 8th, uh, 1942. And uh, she left here and then went up to Sydney to have um, guns and things fitted and that. And that's where the first bit of damage ever happened to the castle, mate. She was steaming up Sydney Harbour at night and promptly collided with the Manly Ferry. Goodness. And there was a bit of a hole in the side and fingers were pointed at everybody. But uh, but in the end, it, 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 it was all sorted out. Uh, she left there and then uh, uh, basically off, off to New Guinea. And she did an, a lot of work around New Guinea, uh, did several runs between Darwin and Timor to support the army there. And on one of those uh, Timor runs, she was with a ship called the Armadale. And uh, it was actually called um, Operation Hamburger, of all things, and that. And they were together with another little ship and that. They were dropping off and, and uh, taking troops off uh, Timor. And, uh, but on the way back and leaving, Armadale had to go back. The Castlemaine was diverted to look for a shot-down Air Force flyer. But because Armadale had to go back, she was caught by 14 Japanese aircraft and ended up on the bottom of the Timor Sea. Except for the... Little diversion for the Castlemaine. If she'd remained in company with Armadale, there is no doubt Castlemaine would have went to the bottom. And the Armadale is famous in respect that uh, the VC... The Victoria Cross. ...was just recently yes. awarded to Teddy Teddy, Teddy Sheen, Sheen in yeah. the last year or two. I can't Tip remember the exact yeah. date. So. And, and when you think about it, that uh, Castlemaine was probably the last friendly ship that Teddy Sheehan mm. ever saw. Mm. Yeah. And the week before they sailed... Um, they had like a sports day in Darwin. I mean, you've got to have a bit of a break mm. every now and again. And they played cricket and football and all of that. Like, and um, a week later, Castlemaine is back in Darwin and that. And we've got a diary from a guy who was on the Castlemaine. And uh, he was saying, oh, something's wrong. You know, Armadale hasn't come back. She's late and that sort of thing. And then a couple of days later in his entry, 
the Kalgoorlie, one of the other car, uh, Corvettes came in. She's carrying the Armadale survivors, mm. and his comment was, there's not many of them. Mm. Yeah. So mm. it's, it's, it's quite sort of moving. It really is. And then post-Operation Hamburger, what, what did Oh, they... look, she continued to work around uh, New Guinea. Uh, she did convoy and escort duty, um, northern Australia. Uh, came back to Australia for a couple of refits and that. And then at the end of the war, at the surrender, Castlemaine and a bunch of other minesweepers went up to Hong Kong to, to act to do minesweeping. Mm. Uh, when the war ended, the world's oceans were full of mines. Mm. And Castlemaine and uh, several other Australian minesweepers, uh, they swept the entrance to Hong Kong Harbour all along the China coast and all of that sort of thing. And it was always one of those things where the victorious fleet wants to enter the harbour, but you go, but we need a minesweeper to help us in. <laughs> in, in. In terms of operations about around New Guinea and the Pacific, what was the normal complement? 95. Right. There were five officers and 90 sailors. Okay. And for yep. our listeners then, can you give us an idea in terms of the size of the ship? It's not oh, It's not a big ship, but it's not uh, a small ship. No, either. no. Look, uh, Castlemaine uh, weighs in at about 1,000 tonnes. Um, one of the modern Anzac frigates that were built here at Williamstown, about four and a half thousand tons. Mm. But by comparison, <coughs> the uh, uh, the Tassie Ferry, um, the Spirit of Tasmania, which now lives down at Geelong, okay, twenty eight thousand tons. So you're looking at a thousand. It's a, it's a little ship. Mm. It's a little ship. How did she end up here at Gem Pier? Uh, when. Um, after the war, um, she was brought back to Australia and she went into a reserve and she got moved around and uh, was parked in Geelong for a while, back here at Williamstown. Then she ended up down at um, Western Port Bay at the Navy base, HMAS Cerberus, and she was a training ship okay, and for engine room artificers and they did seamanship training and damage control training. But after a while, she become yeah, unrepresentative of ships. She's old mm. and that sort of thing. And she was really let go. And um, anyway, the uh, the reason she got picked up and saved, there was an organisation was formed that was called Save the Cerberus, which is the ship, the monitor that sank down at Black Rock. Yes. Those guys got together and they had some pretty important people in it. And uh, But after they had a bit of a look, they said, we're not going to be able to get there. The cost, and that, and then uh, one of the, or a couple of them said, "What about uh, what about having a look at the at the castle mine?" Um, and that's what they did. And uh, when they went down and had a look, uh, the ship was a gutted wreck and a hulk, completely stripped out and uh, rust. Oh boy! <laughs> and um, she was gifted by the Commonwealth to the Maritime Trust of Australia, mm-hmm. brought up here, and then the restoration started. But certainly the guys who started it, some of them must have looked at it and said, what have we done to ourselves? Mm. But, yeah. But uh, the initial work, you know, I always just admire for what they took on. It it is just incredible, really. When can people visit here? Uh, Open on weekends and public holidays. And um, and we do do um, group tours, you know, on... um, uh, uh, you know, on weekdays. And, and where can people find out more about the council? Uh, on our website. All right. Well, let's take a look. I'll right. follow you. Yep. So we've come on board on, on the gangway. We've made a left turn, so we're going to yep. head up to the forward yep. of the yep. ship. Is that correct? Yes. So what area are we going into now? Look, um, this, uh, this area here uh, set up a bit as a museum. During the war period, was known as the Mystic. 
This room was home for 70 sailors lived in this room. And when I mean lived in this room, bedroom, dining room, lounge room, playroom, this is what you got. Little benches and tables along both sides of the walls yes. for that, to eat dinner at, write letters, play cards. Lockers for their clothes here in the middle. And for beds, they all slept in hammocks. And the handles up here, they're for hanging on to to swing yourself in and out of the hammocks and that. So, so, what, so, so on the ceiling of the mess deck, there are a number of black hooks. And no, the hooks that they attach the, uh, the hammocks the to, hammocks to yep. and the little the handles uh, are used to swing yourself up in and out of them. So, yeah. And uh, un air conditioned, we've got a little bit of ventilation. Castle Main spent a lot of a war around wonderful places like Darwin, Timor, <laughs> the Philippines. It was hot. It was oppressive, really. I mean, even today it's Sunday in January in Melbourne, so we're oh, for a 33 look, you can degree feel like now, today, yeah. but also you but, have the humidity. Uh, but very few of the officers accrued on these corvettes during the war, what they call permanent forces sailors. They're all in the, uh, what they call the reserve, the volunteer reserve or hostilities only. Mm -hmm. In other words, I'm a city, the war broke out, I'm going to help fight the war, I'll sign up, put a uniform on, fight the war, when it's over, off I go, I've done my bit. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. So we're looking at the wireless officer yeah, here, yeah, so that's yeah. the main comms area yes, for, for yes. the ship. Was yes. it, was it uh, manned by another uh, rank or an officer? Uh, or no, what no, they no, have? no, there was uh, 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 radio operators, with it, but it was manned permanently, mm -hmm. yes. Teddy yeah. Sheehan display. And the Sheehan family have been on board and they did donate us a full set of the uh, the replica medals. So what we're looking at is a, is a display about Teddy Sheen, who Teddy was awarded Sheen, the, yes. uh, the, the Victoria VC Cross, in the last yeah. two years. When, when was the date? 2020. So yes. yeah, two, yeah. two years ago yes. yeah. uh, for his yeah. action on HMAS Armadale, which again was a Corvette very similar and, to, um, uh, and to, to this they're, one. They were on the, um, uh, the, the, the mission together. Mm. Yes, yeah. And look, um, um, up to the bridge. Okay, so we've come up oh, from the Mexican. Yeah, we've got the um, uh, the captain's cabin. Yes. And he had his cabin just below the bridge because he could be needed at any particular time. So, yeah. So we've gone up from the mystic, we've come up one level. One and level, and we're at the commanding officer's cabin. cabin right. And as you can see, quite well set up on that sort of thing. And one of the main methods of communication, voice pipes. Yeah. And so that somebody up there on the bridge could yell, Captain, sir. <laughs> we need you up here right away. So within his within his cabin, obviously, there's a voice pipe connected to the wall, and that was his main method of communication to other yeah. areas of the ship, yeah? And just in case, yeah, one, one yeah. next to the bunk. One next to his bunk. <laughs> yes, so yeah. we're, looking, we're, we're looking at an area. I mean, it's not, you know, from a space perspective, it's about probably three or four metres by probably two, two or three metres again. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. got a bunk in here. He's got his own dining table. And did, did he? I was reading that um, in terms of the of the wardroom, did the commanding officer usually eat with the officers? Uh, or was normally, he... he normally ate with it. It was, <clears throat> it was that sort of tradition that uh, uh, the, the captain was a little bit sort of um, on his own a little bit, mm -hmm. and he was invited to the wardroom, but it would be a very silly wardroom. Yeah. It did not invite Captain right. Sir, yeah. particularly since he did your performance reviews. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. All right, so we're, and, we're, um, we're leaving the oh, command yeah. officers. And he actually, yep. he actually ended up with a little ensuite. Mm -hmm. See that little width there? Oh, yeah. you got there? Yeah. 
is en suites in there. All right, so within within the cabin, there's a small little door off to the right-hand side if we're looking forward, and that, that's his en suite. That's his en suite, yeah. Right. So, yep, so, yep. So, um, so, so fully self-contained. Chart room uh, for the navigator. Right, so uh, we're, sorry, so, so we're still on the same level. Yes, same level. Offices yeah. And, and we have the chart, the chart room, room. Uh, which was the navigator. So, I mean, full of all the charts and had his sextant. There was an echo sander in there for checking the, uh, uh, the, the water level under mm -hmm. the ship. He could bunk down in there, but he had a cabin down after that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the navigator would say, hey, we're in waters, we might need you at some time. You, you can dosh yourself down there so okay. we can get in touch with you quickly. Yep. We have the radar room there. And this is just opposite the chart yeah, room yeah. now. So the radar, radar room. room. That is the, um, the World War II radar equipment. Right. Uh, no, uh, no, no, no chips, no printed circuit boards, all valve. Wow. circuitry and uh, it was actually a very very hot room because the the valves uh, created a fair bit of heat this room actually started off as a commanding officer's bathroom mm. okay and uh, his cabin went right across there radar arrived big bulky and there were two sets and that including part of it that had to live out there mm -hmm. and it was like well where do we put it so the captain lost his um, um he lost his bathroom Sorry. He got a little ensuite, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, so the captain's uh, bathroom turned into the radar room. So when these, so when the ship was first commissioned in nineteen forty-two, no radar, no radar. So, so this it, was, it, this, it came along later. Fitting after it, yes, yes, yeah. And who would normally staff this? Uh, they had they had um, sailors that were specially trained mm -hmm. to use radar, but don't forget at that time radar was brand new. Mm. You know, these people were, weren't only learning; they were. They were finding out uh, mm -hmm. what it could do and yep. um, that sort of thing. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Uh, All right, so we're well, going to go up another well, level. Well, up another the, level to the bridge. Up to the bridge, okay. So we're climbing a, a, a ladder again to the bridge, which is above the commanding officer's cabin. Okay. All right, here we are, Dick. So, yes. All right. Yeah, basically the bridge is where the whole ship was operated. It was navigated, fought from, that's where all the orders were given to uh, operate the ship and that. And um, uh, steering wheel there and that, and um, a sailor steered the ship, an officer gave the orders, and he would say, steer 045090, and that's what you would yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the bridge is, it, it's reasonably roomy. It's oh, about, yes. again, three metres by four or five by three again. Um, in the middle of it is obviously the uh, the wheel. Yes. Uh, yeah. And the compass, etc. And you always had a, an officer of the, of oh, look, the watch. Uh, look, there'd always be a, a, a couple of sailors here, officer of the watch, maybe a couple of officers, and you'd have lookouts on either side, and what they call signal management to do the flag signals. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And um, the little box that's over there, it's called ASTI. And uh, it eventually ended up being called Sonar. Yeah. Okay. So, guy sitting there with a headset on, and it was just like a World War II movie. You heard the ping, ping, ping. So, what we're looking at is in the front right hand section of, of the bridge, there's a small little it's almost a little compartment, and yeah, it's got yes. an operator's hutch. Hutch, yes. And, and this is where the sonar, again, the, the, the sonar, sonar operator, operator. operator. Yes, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, sonar was, is it, was this a post-commissioning fit? No, no, it was there? on the air from day one. Right. Look, they're, they're always designed to uh, chase submarines. Mm. Yes. Um, Castlemaine here as well, 
Um, when it was built, it had a roof on the pitch, the back wasn't on there. Okay. We had to put it back on there because if we didn't every Saturday morning, there'd be nothing left. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, William stands pretty good. So you'd walk directly out onto the flag. Deck. Okay. Um, some of them were open bridges, you know, which would have been uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 And uh, the other thing, you've, the ship had a gyro compass, which is very, very accurate. And that, but you always had your backup magnetic compass. But a magnetic compass, uh, depending on where you were on the world, uh, where it's telling you north is, no, nah, it's not really. It's not true north, it could be over there. So they could always correct it and that. But to reduce the effect of the ship's steel on the magnetic compass, if you look at the floor there, mm -hmm. the whole bridge is made from brass. Ah, okay. Brass. The wonderful thing about the brass and the restoration of the ship Brass, rust. Mm. Yeah. All right, now we're walking out of, of the uh, uh, of back the of the bridge, and we're on what they call the flag deck. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the flag deck, one of one of the things on it is up your mast there. You've got all the flag bins, okay? And all the flags that were uh, with them. If you have a look behind you there, oh yeah, all of those. So if the captain came out and said to the signalman, "Send me a signal. Uh, I want the convoy to turn." Yeah. port or something like that, he'd convert it into flag signals, he'd pull a halyard down and go clip, 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 and up it and go, and hopefully everybody saw it and would you do the right thing. So what we're looking at just just on the on the flag deck is just a small post indicating all the different flags that were yes. available for all the signals, yes. etc. Yeah. Yeah? Yep. Okay. And over there, there's a, um, that's a, an Ehrlichan gun. All right, so, uh, we're, so, so we're still on the flag deck, yeah. but we're on the port side of the ship. Yep. And sorry, yeah, keep going on about the gun. Yeah, and it's a 20 millimeter machine gun. Mm -hmm. It could fire nearly 200 rounds a minute, so we could get rid of a lot of bullets. And that was that was the type of gun that Teddy Sheehan was in when he got out of the Absolutely, and that famous now, painting of painting, him. Yes, as, yep, as, yep, yep. Okay. Initially, in the design of the ship, the armament chain, up here there were only light machine guns. Right. And the only gun was down there where the bofors go. But as the war went along, they upgraded the weapons, an Ehrlichan gun, one there, one over there, and a Bofors gun went down there, which is a 40 millimetre gun. Right. And, this, yeah. and, and these guns are, are primarily anti-aircraft. Oh, look, you could use them you against, use them against yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Japanese barges, yep. uh, if they were landing troops on a beach. Because yeah. in New Guinea, you can go in very close because yes. of the depth of the water, mm. and the Army guys could say, hey, look, we're having a problem with pillboxes and snipers mm -hmm, and everything, mm -hmm. can you guys fix it for us. And, and, and the explanation post indicates that it had a range of about 6,000 yards, so yes. only five, yeah. five, five and a half kilometres. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you, you could fire that far, but when you were firing that far, yeah. you're really sure the bullets are yeah. going to go to the right place. Yeah. It, 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 it might le at least keep yeah, it um, You're looking at the main mast there, yeah. and on the platform that's up there, you've got a big searchlight, okay. and the big bin that's up on top, that's one of the radar antennas. Mm -hmm. Radar antennas in those days were nowhere near as robust and waterproof as today's. Mm -hmm. So that radar antenna ended up in a big bin, which is very distinctive. Yep. Okay. Yep. And right up the top there, you've got um, uh, the other radar antenna. Yep. yep. Um, and lo and behold, yes, they did have the craziness. Okay, all right. And a sailor would climb up there with binoculars. Some people were good crosness people, mm -hmm. some people could not mm -hmm. do it. Mm. You can imagine little ship, if you're down there, you're rolling around a little bit. Mm. If you're up, up there, there, you're rolling you're... around a lot. Some people, no. Okay.
All right. All right, anyway, well, what we'll do is we'll pop down here. So, so, so this time we're going to go down from the flag deck. Yep. And we're going down to onto the main deck of the ship. And Dick, now we're on the main the main deck. Is that correct? Yeah, and we'll, we'll go right. up. We'll go up to the um, what they call the forecastle. Okay, so we're going forward yep, again. Yep. Most prominent odd thing here is the uh, the main armament of the ship, and that, and it was a four inch gun. In other words, it, it fired a bullet that was a hundred millimeters in diameter. It was completely and utterly hand operated. Mm. Uh, we've got it locked up because we've got the warnings up there, but you can move it. Mm. One guy got in there. He made it go up and down. Yeah. Another guy. Um, he got in there and he made it go round. Right. Okay. And you had a line of people with the bullets and it was all hand loaded so like that. In terms of a gun crew, how many then? At least. Oh, look, you probably had two there plus a guy who controlled it all. Mm -hmm. And you probably had another four, four or five people bringing ammunition up. It had a range of nearly um, four to five miles. But hitting something four to five miles away, you're on a little rolling ship and that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. how was it aimed? Through some sights that were on there. Okay. There, there was nothing really sophisticated. Mm. So, like I said, you could fire five miles, but hitting something five miles away was good luck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're turning around and we're going to go back down to that. That's a thing called a paravane. I almost need a picture. That what they did is they'd. Um, You'd lift them over the side of the ship. They could make a little crane there, and you put them out, and you put steel wires on them, and they'd actually move out from the side of the ship. Because if you happen to enter a minefield, what the idea was that the wire would push the mines away from the side mm -hmm. of the ship. Unfortunately, if you if you hit the mine nose on, it was all over. Mm. And they didn't like using them because if you put them out, you're then restricting the manoeuvrability of the ship. Okay. Anyway, look, we'll, we'll continue on down this way. All right, so we're heading towards the... Stern. Yeah, the um, ship's boats. Um, this one here is what they call a 27-foot Montague Whaler. Right. So, so, got, so just, just for our listeners, there are, we're, we're about halfway down yeah, yeah, the ship. Yeah, we've, about got, about we've got yeah. two, well, two what, boats, two yeah. boats on, on yeah, either side the, of the ship. That, that, that one is the genuine article, okay, 27, and it was a rowing whaler. Mm -hmm. To power that, um, and it had a set of sails as you could put up in it. The one on the other side, unfortunately, we, we couldn't get another boat, mm. and it's just a. Um, it came off one of the uh, dredges over there, and it's yep. a lifeboat. Yeah. But what was over there was one of these, but a motorised version. Okay. All yes. right. In emergency, emergency circumstances, these would also be used as a life yes, raft, yes, but the ship yeah. obviously has life oh, rafts look, look, as well. Yeah, it's got what they call the uh, the Carly floats. Okay. They're all over the ship, yep. yes. Yeah. Look, we've got a few of them. They, they would have been piled up there on the forecastle. Mm -hmm. They would have tried to get their hands on as many of them as they possibly could. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll continue on down here. All right, so we're still uh, heading down yep, towards yep. the stern of the ship. Right, yep. boys. Okay. I need, I need you to man the Bofors gun. All right. So we're down at the stern of the ship. Well, near, near the stern, and there's a, a Bofors gun okay. on the platform here. There you go. My sons are going to get up and give it a go. So it's a an anti-aircraft weapon, range yep. 7,000 metres, yep. and a rate of fire, 120 rounds per minute. So once again, you had uh, one guy in there, one guy in there, another guy jammed himself in there, and he dropped the clips of ammunition in there. But when you're firing at 120, you had another line of people mm. bringing ammunition right. up. So actually on the gun, a crew of three. Plus, two, plus, plus 
plus people bringing plus people bringing, people bringing, bringing, bringing ammunition up. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going down, down again, onto which deck do you call this uh, one? Look, deck? We'll, we'll, oh, call it, call it. Uh, um, that's uh, the main deck. It's O one deck, mm -hmm. and this one basically you could call it two deck. All right. So yep. we're going down that's another set of stairs. Deck, yep. Mm -hmm. Down to the two deck, which is closer to the waterline. Right. Um, Castlemaine uh, did carry um, uh, death charges. Yep. And uh, they would use that after they detected a submarine and that. Uh, <clears throat> death charge thrower here, and there was one on the other side as mm -hmm. well. We've, and this is a replica. We had to have that built because there was nothing like that yep. left and that. And the death charge sat in there, and it sat in the thing called the yoke that was all the way down here. Before you fired it, you had a tool you could actually set the depth that you wanted it to explode at, mm -hmm. that would sit down here and it had like a breakable link there. And uh, they put an explosive charge in there. You had a trigger, you pull it, that would go whack. And that would throw that 50, 60, 70 metres clear of the ship and that it would sink down into the water and explode at the depth that you had set on it. They had um, uh, depth charges they could drop off the back mm -hmm. that. Some of the Corvettes never had minesweeping gear at all. Mm -hmm. They just had more and more rails and that. Uh, they were predominantly set up to uh, tackle submarines. But okay. all of them all of them had some sort of uh, anti-submarine um, effort. Okay. Yep. Um, what we've got here, Castlemaine didn't use these. It used to get rid of them later on. Um, this is a mine. Right. And... Um, but it's a very nice mine. It's an Australian mine. Okay. okay. That was manufactured in the Ford Motor Company in Geelong that knocked up 17,000 of them during the war. We dropped them all over the oceans. And then when the war ended, everybody obviously said, hurrah, hurrah, the war's over. Oh, dear. Now we've got to go and get them back. So so the so this, so this, the Castlemaine was predominantly a Corvette, but a mine sweeper. But she could do mine sweeping. But also... A mine layer is no, is no, there a no, no, no. We you, ships were set up specifically uh, to be a mine layer, right? And we had a ship that was called the uh, the Bungaree, mm -hmm. and she used to come down to Point Wilson down near Geelong, load up with um, a thousand or so mines, sail up north and drop them all over the place. Okay. Yeah. So what we're looking at now is just a, 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 a an example of an, an example of mine. an Australian mine, right? Yes, yeah, and. Uh, if we pop, we pop down here. So we're heading, heading. Uh, well, we're, we're now on what we call the quarter deck. The quarter deck. The quarter okay. deck, yes. Yep. Uh, do you think there are still some of those mines out there? Still? Look, probably. Look, they would have all rusted through by now. They would, they'd be laying on the bottom of the ocean and they were pretty safe. But you know, they still tell us, even if you find one, even if you think it's pretty safe, it's not a good idea to fiddle with it. That's the podcast for today. The website for HMAS Castlemaine is www.hmascastlemaine.org.au and if you're ever visiting Melbourne, it's well worth a visit. Thanks to Dick Budzini for his time to take us through the ship. We're keen to hear your feedback and if you're listening to us via iTunes or other podcast apps, please leave a review. Your reviews help others find our podcast. And you can help support this podcast via Patreon or Buy Me A Coffee. The links are on our website and Facebook page. And your support helps us with the production of this podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>